Hello and happy Friday. Welcome to Chasing Excellence, a show about living a life of better health and increased fulfillment. On Tuesdays, we drop full episodes where we answer your questions and dive deep on what it means to chase excellence. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of those. And on Fridays, we dig through the archives of the show to pull out what we call a quick set. Ideas, frameworks, moments, short bits from the past seven or eight years of the show that are worth resurfacing and revisiting. This week, we have a quick chat that Ben and I had prior to an episode where we talked about some of the books we've been reading and enjoying and recommending. As I prepared for the show, I realized I had never asked Ben about his experience living with and dealing with dyslexia. So I kicked the episode off with that question, and this was his response. In in episodes past, you've talked about, and correct me if I'm wrong or if I'm getting this wrong, but you've talked about dyslexia, correct? Mm-hmm. You've yep. talked about your experience Absolutely. with that. Yeah. I'm going to be totally honest. Like I, I have like a very layman's sense of what that even means. Would you be willing to just kind of like talk us through like one, just what that is, what that means. And then also just what that experience was like, because it, especially when we're talking about books, like there's nothing that that affects more than, uh, than the ability, the willingness to, the enthusiasm to read books. So if there's folks out there who might share some of that, I wonder if there's not something that in your experience your story that might help them get from I'm not a, I'm not the kind of person who reads books to all right I'm going to give this a shot or I'm going to do this more. Yeah. Yeah, so I grew up with dyslexia and I still have it. Um and you it's funny you say, you know, your layman's understanding or your you know you kind yeah. of know it from afar. That's actually kind of I only know my experience with it. Yeah. So I, I'm not an expert in it whatsoever and I know that there's varying degrees of dyslexia and I don't know how mild or severe what I have is. Mm. Um, other than I struggled massively in school, particularly um, early on, it got better later on, you know, by senior year of high school and college, I kind of learned how to learn a little bit. Mm. Before that, um, it was just, this doesn't make sense. So it was a real uphill battle for me. Um, the way it shows up for me is um, first kind of easiest one is what everyone kind of hears about it. Like things get jumbled as they come across. So as you see things in sequence, they don't get formulated in sequence. And what I mean by that is if someone was to leave a voicemail on my phone and say, you know, Hey Patrick, give me a call. You know, this is Patrick. Give me a call back at five, 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 seven, eight, three, four, eight, two, seven. I can't do, I can't tell you those numbers back. Mm. I have to listen to that. Um, and write them down. Honestly, if they go that speed, it would be like three or four times. It takes me a long time to grab a number and hold on to it because in my head, it's the they get flipped. And that is a little bit similar with some letters in the alphabet. Mm-hmm. B's and D's as a kid were very challenging, even though my names both my names start with B. It's like yep. they were still hard. And then G's and J's were very, they're still to this day. I still think that they're the same letter. They, um, but those were the big ones. And then when I would read, um, I, I, I can see how my kids read out loud. I listen to other people read and I can, I, it's so fluid and it's so smooth and it's, uh, effortless is what comes to mind because for me, it takes a lot of effort Mm. when I read, um, you know, I went to a specialist for a while and basically the way they described it was when people read, they read in chunks. And if you watch people's eyes, you can see this on a telemark, a teleprompter. It doesn't like go smoothly across eyes. They look and they read 
three, four, or five words, and then it jumps, and they read three or four or five more words, and it jumps, and they read three. So it's like this, and you're through a line. For me, I read one word, mm-hmm. so I don't, I don't have the, the ability to smoothly articulate a sentence when I read. I'm reading a, I'm, I read a word mm-hmm. then i read the next one mm-hmm. and this is like when people it's kind of a, the uh, the analogy i would give is when people learn to play music even when i've been reading for you know 40 plus years i still read like i'm learning the first notes like twink goal twink goal lit Tool, as opposed to somebody that's a little more practice to go, yep. twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I, and then somebody that's been doing this for a long time, playing music goes, twinkle, twinkle, little, and they read the whole thing across. Yep. So even at 45 years old, I see the one words and it makes it challenging um, because I don't get to even know like using, reading out loud becomes very, very challenging because you don't know whether to use inflection or is this a question or because you don't get to see the future a little bit. (laughs) It's very, it's very present moment. And then when I go to the next line, a lot of times I read the same sentence over again. It's not reading the next line. So those are the challenges I have. Um, Kind of the best thing, the best learning tool I've ever had. You know, people talk a lot about, um, we talk about, the sweet spot of learning, which is um, the right amount of challenge. And if it's too hard, you go into panic mode. If it's too easy, you're not being pushed. And what I found, at least for me, is lots and lots of too easy is okay. Mm. Um, Because it's like building up a bunch of zone two training. And you kind of get so much practice at it without any stress. And the uh, the the way I learned this th- with um, is when I started reading out loud to my kids when they were one, two, three, and now they're eight and 10, we still read out loud. And it's been nice because in the beginning, it was like, go dogs, go. <laughs> yep, yep. The dogs raced to the tree. The dogs stopped at the light. It was like, that's the books I was reading out loud to them. And that was my speed. I would read, you know, multiple times a day to them. And now we can read, we read things like Harry Potter and stuff like that. And it's much, um, if I had started there, even though that probably was my right threshold, it, it would have been so, it would have still been a slower road, I think, than the lots and lots of easy repetition. So the if you have a child that is suffering with dyslexia, my suggestion is, have them read the crazy, crazy, crazy easy books out loud. Because mm-hmm. out loud reading was the one that was the biggest struggle. In my head, it would just take me a, it just take me a long time to right. read. Right. A long, long time. But it wasn't um, frustrating. Out loud, it's embarrassing. Because if you, if, if you can't read out loud in college, you look like you're not smart. Mm-hmm. And that's such the way that we determine, we label smarts these days is in, you know, academic proficiency, mm-hmm. which is, you know, we've talked about this on the, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, right. you're going to think those 
fish are pretty useless. Yeah. And the ability to read out loud and memorize and regurgitate facts, aka traditional schooling, in my opinion, is not the the true measures of what we should be trying to um, use to determine whether people are making progress intellectually. Mm-hmm. What happened? Because I imagine in that scenario in high school, let's say, it would be really easy. And I think we've talked about it a little bit where it'd be easy, I imagine, for you to think, well, I must just not be very smart. That oh, must yeah. be the problem here. So what what changed or what did something happen? Did you realize like, oh, it's not that I'm not smart. It's that I, that this is happening, that dyslexia is happening, that whatever's happening. Was there a moment when there was kind of that light bulb of like, oh, I'm not an idiot. I just, I, I just have this thing. You know, it's when, um, a few years ago I did this kind of like deep introspection type stuff. And there was a moment that had been pushed down inside of me so far that I hadn't thought about it since I was in kindergarten, Mm. but it popped back up. And when it came back up, it came back up with a lot of tears because it was like, whoa, that's the reason. That's the reason that you've thought this your whole life, or at least one of the reasons. And that was when I was in kindergarten, when you start to read out loud to peers and to your teacher, I obviously didn't do a very good job. And then when it became to arithmetic and stuff like that, I'm sure I didn't do well. And And the teacher took me and one other student and the the classroom was set up in these rows. You know, it was four or five rows, four or five deep. And there was everyone in these rows except for me and one other student who were offset completely to the side. And it was, you know, even at that age, you you can – you know, connect the dots. Yeah. It was you two are not up to speed. You two are not smart. You two um, can't hang with everybody else, and that uh, that perpetuated and that continued throughout most of you know schooling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it was probably um, you know if I was really to say like I knew I had work ethic. But that to me was something different than um, not being dumb. Mm-hmm. It was basically like you have to – because I enjoyed working hard. Um, but it probably wasn't until I got into um, running my own business mm. that I was like, oh, um, you – this is a little bit different. Now, I also had the the, the luxury that my, my dad struggled in school but was successful in mm-hmm. business. Yep. So I had that – um, that train has gone down the tracks before me. Yeah. So I kind of, and, and we, my parents never really assigned, you know, school grades to how well you're going to do in life because my dad did what I shouldn't say life, um, re- really well in, um, your career. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of helpful for me. Yeah, I imagine. Yep. Um, but that's, that's kind of the, if, if, the, if there, I, there was definitely a moment when I realized I wasn't like the other kids and then it probably wasn't until I started my business that I realized that doesn't mean a whole lot. Thank you so much for tuning into this quick set. As a reminder, on Tuesdays, we drop full episodes where we answer your questions about the five factors of health as well as dive deep on what it means to live a life of excellence. 
Be sure to subscribe or follow wherever you are listening to this. Ben and I thank you. Until the next episode, keep chasing. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.